Hi guys, it's Morgan Lee. Welcome back to That's So Middlebury, the podcast where we dive into Middlebury students' careers, interests, and jobs. Today, I have the pleasure of being um, accompanied by Sam Messina. Sam, how are you? Doing great. Good. Um, so we are currently in J-term. Um, how's your J-term going? It's been good. I'm taking a class about uh, jazz music, so I've been doing a lot of listening to jazz, and that's really about it. So oh, okay, great. So tell me a little bit about yourself, your major, um, your year. Yeah, so I'm a super senior faculty graduating in about two weeks, and uh, I'm an earth and climate science, environmental science, education studies major. Oh, wow. So, That's a yeah. lot. <laughs> so it's a lot of stuff. When I got here, I didn't know you to pick a focus in environmental science. So okay. I did that. Yeah. Uh, when I first got here, I wanted to be, I was going to be a hard rock geologist, as exciting as that sounds. And now, as it sort of turns out, I'm going to be a science teacher oh. and coach football and wrestling. And I've played football here for five years. Oh, so. awesome. So how has it been kind of, you're having a lot of majors. How has your college experience been so far with so much going on, especially being an athlete as well? Yeah, I mean, it's been a lot of fun, I'd say. I mean, it's definitely been hard, but I think sort of having all the different things you do keeps sort of the harder parts easier, I guess, like more stuff to do. I mean, I've always been busy. I wrote a full-year thesis last year, which was probably the worst thing I've ever done. <laughs> what was it about? Um, climate reconstruction using, sed- using sediment cores from the central equatorial Pacific. Oh, wow. And then I made two uh, international baccalaureate lessons for Middle Reunion High School. Oh, but it was, wow. it was a difficult process oh, that I did I bet. not thoroughly enjoy. I bet. Yeah. And like, how did that pair well and like with education studies? How do you, were you able to balance both of those? Yeah. So as far as I know, I'm the only person to ever write a geology education studies thesis. Yeah, I, think. I bet. So that was kind of cool for me to do. I definitely really enjoyed the education part more and less so, you know, staying up till three in the morning in the lab, picking up little fossil shells with a, with a paintbrush. Yeah. You know, like... I think the education part of it was really cool. Uh, let me work with my advisor a lot closer. Okay. Who I Who's your advisor? Uh, Tara Folter. Oh, cool. I've taken in the U.S. with her. Yeah. A lot of people have. It's a great, she's a great professor. It sort of helped me get through that stuff. And I think also having football, having something else to do that mm-hmm. wasn't schoolwork, I think was nice. Yeah. You guys had a great football season yeah, this year? Yeah, great, great five years. Yeah. Great year this year. Beautiful. And being kind of an educations major, it's not a very typical major here at Middlebury. Um, did you enjoy it? What do you kind of see, like, do you recommend the education department and your ECSC and stuff like that? Yeah, I think I think we have a great education department. I think we attack it pretty differently than a lot of schools do, especially for those on the licensure track, like getting your teaching teaching license. I think we do a really good job of not just teaching to tests or to standards, but actually having somebody be an effective person and an effective educator, which is super important. I think as ECSC, my the Earth and Climate Science Department moves. I mean, when I first started, it was geology. It was very like you know, classic like Earth science focused, and now it's sort of moving in more to the climate realm, which is more topical and good. So, oh, beautiful. Um, so. Like you said, you're going into being a science educator. Um, how have you kind of decided on this career path? Yeah, so when I first came in, I wanted to go to grad school and be like a hard scientist. And then over the summer, I started working and teaching science to uh, 7 to 12-year-olds, essentially. And at nice. first, it started off as like, oh, it's like a science job, and it's in my hometown, and I get to work on the water, and it's really cool. And then sort of as I realized I wanted to be less of a scientist, I didn't really like that as much. And I really liked teaching over the summer. I figured teaching would be great to do, and it sort of worked out well. I've been able to sort of take a bunch of classes here, line up for that. It 
also lets me coach, which is really what I want to do. So at least getting my foot in the door as an educator, as a coach, okay. before I sort of go any further on that. Yeah. Um, did you, like, you said you were kind of wanting to be a scientist at first. Like, what kind of specifically made you switch your career path to being more of an educator? Yeah, I, I, I'd say I kind of got, like, sick of the school, which I think is, like, you know, obviously it's a it's college, obviously there's a lot of school. But I think, like, I just didn't feel sort of in love with, like, the hard science or sort of like, not the politics of science, but like just the way that things work in a college science department or in a post-grad science department, like it didn't seem something that I wanted to do. Like sort of doing all this work for something that I didn't really want to do, didn't seem like a great option. So yeah. okay. I opened a little bit of a late switch, but it worked out nicely. Was there a specific moment that kind of sparked your education interest? I took it in the U.S. over COVID, the first COVID semester we were here. Which was good because it was a cool class. And then I also, that same semester, I had a class called Geomorphology, which is about how, like, land changes and stuff. Okay. And it met from 11 a.m. until 4.15 on Thursdays. Oh, jeez. And I was sitting in that class for five and a half hours on Thursdays, like, is this really what I want to do? I think that sort of semester of being locked in my room and working in my room and being like, man, this kind of stinks. <laughs> like, I'd kind of rather would do something else than this. Okay. Okay. And, like, in terms of, like, how has your education background and, like, experience also contributed? Do you think it has had an impact on what you have decided to do in the future? Yeah, I mean, I think I've had some really good teachers, both in high school and here at Middlebury. I went to a public high school, and Middlebury has a lot of people from my area that didn't go to public high schools. Yep. All of those uh, Massachusetts New England private schools. And as I look at teaching and coaching jobs, they're all in New England private schools. So I think having that interaction here versus having the public school background from where I went to high school, I think it's sort of, it's similar but different because my public high school was sort of similar to private. But regardless, like sort of giving me those connections and conversations of like sort of understanding those um, communities, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, like, what do you kind of see the difference between private and public schools in general in terms of teaching? And is there a reason that you might go towards a private route versus a public? Well, in terms of private, you don't need a license. To, in terms of private, you don't need a license to teach at a private school, which oh, is okay. pretty sweet. You can just kind of let those kind of let you do it, which is sort of helps and hurts because, like, you have people who are just coming out of school, like, I'm going to teach. Um, do you think that has, like, an impact on, like... It doesn't, it doesn't, because you have people, what schools are looking for a lot are, because there's such a teacher shortage, is people where teaching is what they wanted to do, not that they couldn't get a job doing their first three choices and now need to teach. Yeah. Um, but what a lot of the private schools have is they have fellowship programs where you can teach a class or two and also work to earn your graduate degree in oh, education, nice. which is really cool. Right. In public schools, on the other hand, you have stability because of the union, you have better benefits, but also like... Being a public school teacher in America right now is it's not not at ideal, all. and nobody really like. There's not a lot of support for public school teachers mm. in America, which is when all the publicly funded benefits start yeah. to go away. So I think it's sort of a crossroads. Like the science teacher job in my high school, where I went to high school, is open, and I could apply for it, and I'd probably get it if I wanted to. Yeah. But I don't know how much I want to. I would first of all have to get certified, and then I would have to live with my parents and teach in the high school where I was five years ago, which is maybe in a, maybe later, but, you know, like not yeah. something I want to do off the rip. I think private school does a good job of, you know, it's really good athletics, which is what I'm really interested in. It's also really good academics, so. Okay, great. 
Um, and were there kind of like any teachers or mentors in your life who had like a significant impact on your decision about going into education? Yeah, my, my high school offensive line coach owns a restaurant as well. But he was a history teacher, athletic director, football coach for a long time. And he was my line coach, and he, I, I had a great connection with him. I go to his restaurant all the time. And, um, you know, he's just somebody who, like, always has fun doing what he does, that type of thing. And, like, that's what I like to do. Like, I want to at least, you know, it's always good to start out doing something you want to do. And if you don't make enough money to survive, then you find something where you make enough money. So hopefully I'll, I'll be able to do it for the rest of my life, but at least I'll do it doing what I love as long as I can. And that's sort of what he wanted me to do, so it's, it's worked out nicely. Oh, that's amazing. And, like, in terms of challenges, a lot of, like I said earlier, a lot of people aren't going into education at Middlebury. Do you see, like, a reason that this might be happening or, like, why people are steering away? Yeah, I mean, I think people sort of like, especially Middlebury, people like the jobs where you're going to, for lack of a better term, make a lot of money and be success, be successful with air quotes, like whoever deems to be successful. But like, you know, I don't have a problem working 65 hours a week for nothing and coaching football. Like that's what I want to do. So I don't mind doing that. But I think at Middlebury, like, I mean, there is a really good culture of competitiveness, but sort of what it also breeds is like, you know, the football teams, I think half econ majors, 40% econ majors, like something like that. So, you know, at least being around that, there's a big focus on that type of stuff versus, like, you know, anything else. It just sort of varies. I mean, teach their own. But. Yeah. Do you think football has helped kind of, like, make you who you are? And how do you think football has helped, like, create you as a person? Yeah, football's been great. I live with three football players. You know, football has it's given me a lot of my friends, a lot of the stuff I do and what would be my free time. Um, you know, a lot of friends I'll have, a lot of connections I already am using to sort of get a job, I think, are really helpful because, I mean... Especially in, Mass, in Massachusetts private schools, you can't throw a rock without hitting a, a NESCAC graduate. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I mean, all these coaches know my offensive line coach. I know them. Like, so it's just sort of that is something I didn't really expect. Like, being recruited, you hear a lot about the importance of, like, an alumni network. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't really use it until, like, <laughs> now. And now it's like, holy, holy cow, there is a massive alumni network of Middlebury students and NESCAC students and stuff like that. Yeah. So. And usually people, when they think of networking, they think of like, oh, these investment banks. How do you think networking fits into the education world? Yeah, so the thing that I've really learned with that is, you know, if somebody works at a school that you want to work at, it's not that you want to work there and they want you, it's that they need an opening to hire Mm, you. Okay. And if there's not an opening, but, you know, the guy at school A where you want to work knows the guy at school B who needs a guy, you know, you get referred to school B or sort of recommended to school B. And, you know, go there. So, like, I think <clears throat> there's a level of actually helping between school to school, mm-hmm. as which I don't think you would get between, like, different competitors uh, recommending other people to each other. I think, you know, like, this guy played with this guy. He can vouch for you. Mm-hmm. He's a nice guy, you know, like, that type of thing. I think is really important, like, word of mouth and, like, have knowing somebody. So I think that has worked out really well for you. Okay. And what is kind of the process of becoming a teacher? Yeah, so if you're uncertified, I just, I'm actually not an education major, I'm an education minor. Mm-hmm. It's only five classes, I've taken eight, okay. and I've taught over the summer, and I'll, you know, you're supposed to continue to improve, obviously, and sort of up your certification, but as a 22, or I guess I'll be 23-year-old starting teacher in August, you just kind of let you go, and you'll probably teach a class if you're not a full-time teacher, or if you're a fellow, and there's a lot of observing, a lot of learning, because sometimes you don't have that certification. Mm-hmm. 
Otherwise, you have the licensure program, which is your public school certified in the state of Vermont. You, you ready to rock. Um, yeah, but it's all about sort of connection and openings and, you know, hiring services and job boards. And it can get overwhelming, but I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, if you have a region in mind, it's not that complicated. So. Okay. And you talk about the licensure for public schools. Is there like an appeal to having a licensure? Because you said private schools might be a little bit more appealing for people anyway, so... Yeah, li- license lets you teach at a public school okay. and access higher salaries, better benefits, that type of thing. Okay. So they make sure that you like public schools can have like licensed teachers. Meanwhile, private schools the salaries might be a little lower, but there's no licensure. There's other benefits, that mm-hmm. type of thing. And the athletics are generally better. Okay. Like the one public school that I've looked at is not really a public school, and they have really good athletics. That's okay. made it more sort of accessible, but otherwise. And what are some, like, challenges you faced while navigating this path and becoming a teacher? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the, the $320,000 question is I spent $320,000 to become a science teacher and a football coach, which I don't think is bad, but, you know. I like, think it's awesome. You're taking a completely different path than anybody else. Yeah, <laughs> but from, like, a purely ROI standpoint comparing to other people, like, it is it is different. But, I mean, like, I think that's the whole point of college is to sort of figure out what you want to do. And hopefully set you up for that. And I think I'm actually in a unique place of knowing exactly what I'd like to do, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, and the other question is like, like Thanksgiving, your grandparents will be like, "Oh, you're gonna you're gonna teach," like, <laughs> which is fine. And I've sort of gotten past that, but I mean, it is an interesting. Yeah. Because people have an idea of what it is, but I mean, it's also like it's its own thing, especially now, because it's so, like, it's a very interesting time to go into education. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And why do you why do you think it's kind of like an interesting time at the moment? Just because of I know the job job market is yeah. kind of in the ditches, but yeah, I mean it's they, I mean they're one they're begging for competent professionals, which is interesting. Yeah, I think uh, it'll be perfectly fine coming from Middlebury. Yeah. As everybody comes out of the post COVID world, there's four years of development that effectively didn't happen mm-hmm. for students who were at home or online or turn on their Zoom and play video games while they're math labs like. Yeah. So there's a sort of a three-year lag in development, which is a really interesting thing to overcome. Because did you miss, did a, set, did a 10-year-old miss three years of development with his peers when he was five yeah. and six? Or did the kid in sophomore math mm. miss pre-algebra or whatever, whatever he missed in sixth grade or fifth grade yeah. that now he's sort of lagging behind that? Yeah. And also, like, just... Kids are very unique now. Like yeah. There's sort of a very different subculture that kids have now. Mm-hmm. So sort of being able to navigate that. And one thing's AI, which I've heard about a lot, which I don't know enough about AI to commentate on AI. Yeah. But like how do you allow it in a way to like stay on the curve versus like just having stuff happen under your nose? Yeah. And the last thing I talked to a math teacher about this is like, you know, like, uh, nobody will ever not have a calculator ever again. Yeah. So... Like, the debate of, like, well, do I spend time teaching how to do complex stuff by hand so you understand what your calculator is doing, or do you just trust your calculator is yeah. right and you can go sort of more complex stuff? Yeah. What do you, how do you think, as a teacher, you would overcome those issues? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing I learned at Middlebury is that every classroom is sort of its own classroom, right? Yeah, for sure. Every student has their own sort of background and brings their own stuff to the table. So I think, it, I, I think in my opinion, it sort of goes case by case. Okay. Right? Like, I think a blanket rule is great because it never changes, but also, like, you sort of miss out on things where it could be useful, right? Like, you know, 
kind of assignment where you where you use AI to write something and use you to write something and sort of mm -hmm. see how it works and sort of see the difference and yeah. you know thankfully I'm not a math teacher I don't worry about the calculator <laughs> problem so um what grade do you kind of see yourself teaching in yeah uh I'm probably gonna end up in like middle school science, like okay. sixth, seventh, eighth grade general science currently. Okay. Just because I don't really have the biology education or the chemistry education mm -hmm. to really be like an AP bio teacher or an AP chem teacher. Okay. You know, I don't really have as much of that uh, schooling here at Middlebury. I've taken one chem class and one bio class. But other than that, like high school science, something, you know, middle school science, general science, mm -hmm. you know, intro to science, that type of thing. Yeah. At least we're all start out. Yeah. Um, what advice do you have for college students that are kind of in your place right now who are thinking about going into education? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's do what you want. I mean, I think, you know, there's a mold of what a teacher should be that sort of people understand, I think, especially nowadays and even more in the future. Like, you know, I don't think there really is a stereotypical teacher anymore. Like, mm -hmm. I think there's so many. Well, I mean, there is a teaching shortage, but I mean, there's so many young professionals that are not per se like stereotypical teachers that I think, you know, doing a really good job and sort of changing the metric that like you know teachers are regular people because you know then there's so many teachers that are 22 and 23 instead mm -hmm. of 65 you know so yeah. I think I think it's really cool and really fun to sort of be on that edge so yeah okay good and what do you think makes Middlebury different in terms of education like do you think it's how how is it different than let's say I mean I'm from Washington where Western Washington University is really really big on education. How do you think Middlebury might give you a leg up or a leg down in terms of the career? Yeah, I think people love the Labarts education and sort of the built-in critical thinking okay. aspect of it. I think that really helps thinking on your feet. The ability to write is huge coming from Middlebury. Um, you know, my content knowledge is probably short is limited in some places because of Labarts, but on the other side, my ability to communicate that knowledge and gain other knowledge is probably much higher. Okay. So I think that's the biggest delivery takeaway. Versus like I'm gonna versus you know, going to a big state school. I'm gonna get my licensure. Bang! I'm one of ten thousand mm. education graduates. And yeah. Something like that, or yeah. Five thousand education graduates in the state. Right. I'm just thrown in a public school. Versus sort of that other path at a school like this. Okay. So at first, after realizing that you're not gonna take the hardcore science route. What steps have you kind of taken to jumpstart your career? I know you're, you were researching into Massachusetts um, schools. Have you ever done? Any, have you done anything else in terms of like starting your career? Yeah, I mean, I, I work as a teacher over the summer. That definitely helps. Where did you work? Uh, I work at Duxbury Bay Maritime School in Duxbury, oh, Massachusetts. Awesome. So, oh, cool. The children, but uh, I think for me, I mean, I've still completed my hardcore science education. Mm -hmm. which sort of like, especially last year, I was like, why am I doing this? This means nothing for me because like I'm not going to ever use, you know, this thing that I'm learning right now because yeah. I'm not going to be a climate scientist or a geologist. But yeah. I think, you know, taking more like the most education classes you can, the ones you like, um, being early in the job search is something I recommend. Like if you have any connections, like I was talking to people in July and openings don't happen until now. Okay. But just so like when when you when they think of you or you think of them, you be like, hey, we're finding one or two people who are have done the process are in a job. Uh, there's two people I know that are, have been in in the jobs for five for five years and fifteen years. One went to Middlebury and just sort of like having that understanding of like this is how to do it, because it is a pretty simple process, but it is also incredibly complicated to find the process. Mm -hmm. Essentially, you just apply for an opening and you get a job. Yeah. But to find those openings, to find the right spot, to understand, you know, why this place might not be as great as you think it is, mm -hmm. you know, like there's that different variance. 
So okay. the guidance of others and being our own outset. Okay. And like, what does the interview process kind of look like in terms of teaching? I know a bunch of processes are different. So. Yeah. So for private school instruction, um, you generally will talk to somebody on the phone, like an early interview, uh, just to make sure you're a normal person and, you know, it's sort of how your qualifications fit in like sort of very basic stuff. Then you'd probably get a second interview, either online or in person, um, which is more like your skills as a teacher, your skills as someone who's living in the dorms, your skills as someone who's a, a college advisor, general mentor, coach, that type of thing. Uh, and then the third one is you probably generally end up on campus uh, talking to administrators, teachers, coaches, if that's your route, that type of thing. Pretty much all private schools really value the teacher-coach model. They're massive fans of the teacher-coach model, especially in unrepresented sports like wrestling, like I'm okay. coaching. Um, so a lot of schools are really looking for the teacher-coach model. Um, then eventually sort of moving forward, school has an opening, hires the opening, whether it's a internship, full-time job, uh, pen fellowship, that type of thing. So. Okay. And you talk about this teacher-coach model. Um, how does kind of athletics fit into this entire process? Yeah, I think the teacher-coach model, I mean, I, I love coaching, I love athletics. I coach when I'm home from Middlebury all the time, and, like, that was really what drove me to it. But I think, you know, you have a relationship with a student in the classroom, your relationship with a student on the field, and being able to see somebody as, you know, that's only Mr. Messina, that's only Coach Messina, or, you know, or when I'm in high school, oh, I had him for sixth grade science, he's yeah. not the worst person ever, yeah. right? I think building that relationship outside of just the education and sort of being able to understand your students and understand people within the um, within the school is great. It helps build a community, that type of thing. A lot of schools used to require, a lot of schools I've looked at are all boys' schools, and a lot of them used to require athletics Okay. for all, all three seasons, which is interesting. I've never really agreed with it because I think you can require other things, whether it be arts or music, that type of thing. And that's what sort of they've shifted to now. So one of the schools I've looked at, you know, they have a, a Division One football recruit who also sings the chorus in the winter, and because he doesn't want to, because he is good awesome. at hockey, he's good at basketball. Yeah. So, like, sort of having that round instead of like, I'm gonna have this really good athlete, you know, flop around on the basketball court because he has to play a sport. Yeah. Like, you know, it also Kinda just has kids not like it. You yeah. Know? Like so. Okay. Awesome. And you um, mentioned earlier a little bit about like making sure you know which schools um, you do want to work for. Are there any things that you kind of look for in a school or you think people should look for? Yeah, I think the biggest thing I've been looking for is support from current faculty, right? Mm -hmm. Because they, all, they, they were all 23-year-old post-grad first-year teachers too. You know, they all sort of have been through it. And my biggest concern is, like, I have limited in-classroom teaching experience, so I really need sort of that support on that type of thing. And I think, you know, that's the first question I ask in any interview is, like, what's the support like for new teachers, mm -hmm. that type of thing. Um, and commitment to community I also enjoy, like, you know, not too competitive, not too, like, you know, that type of thing. Uh, fun community that, you know, nothing too seriously, keeping positive, and then commitment to athletics because, mm -hmm. you know, that's sort of where I'm looking. I think you can have a great high school education without a commitment to athletics. I don't think that is a vital part. I just am looking for that. So I think that's what the barriers are looking for. But commitment to whatever you value instead yeah. of trying to make yourself fit. Because if you're struggling in a place where you can't, where you don't like it and you can't get support, you're just going to fail. Yeah. Versus if you're struggling in a place that you do want to be with people that support you doing things you like, you'll eventually figure it out. 
And in, what about in terms of someone who is going into education? What do you think are some skills and qualifications that the schools are looking for? Yeah, so um, that's a good question. <laughs> At least in science, looking for they're not looking for someone to be an AP bio teacher right now. Right, okay. they're looking for somebody who can who figures it out. Right, competently teach. <laughs> yeah, like great. You don't need to teach, you don't need to teach AP bio. You can watch somebody teach AP bio, and then you can go teach seventh grade. You know, whatever science, and with the understanding of that might be your path. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone who fits their culture, someone who has similar goals, somebody who is a regular person, is you know surprisingly valued. <laughs> like it's harder than you think. Um, a lot of schools look for the teacher coach because they can employ one person to do two things yeah, or three things or four things, sort of that type of thing. Um, one thing I was surprised about is like pedagogical knowledge, like teaching knowledge okay. is not something that – it's not that it's not valued. It's just that like it's not – it's not what gets you in the door. It's not mm. what gets you the job. Okay. It's what I think I think what it's I've had it described to me as like it's not what gets you the door. It's not what gets you the job. It's how quickly you're good at it. Mm. Like – it's just how you are as a person, how you are as interacting with both adults and colleagues, but also kids, right? Okay. Like, you, I mean, you can be the best teacher ever, but if you can't talk to kids, like, you're going to be a bad teacher. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay, awesome. And what are some next steps? Do you kind of see yourself staying in education, maybe middle school? Do you, would you prefer to go up into higher education, maybe college? Yeah, what I've really looked at is somewhere where I can get a good fit for coaching and also for getting my academic career started. Mm-hmm. And if I find a spot where I can do really high-level high school coaching, then maybe I could keep doing that. Maybe the teaching goes away. Maybe I go try to do college or go to – I'm considering holding off on right now going to grad school okay. for my master's in education to save that for um, something like an athletic department, like high school athletic director, that type of thing. But that would be in a long time once I've sort of had a long time to coach and see how much I like it and that sort of thing. Okay. How do you think a master's is going to help boost your your um, career? Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of, pretty much all the schools require some level of continuing ed. Okay. You know, they don't want you just rolling in with your bachelor's and only having your bachelor's after 40 years. A lot of them will pay for up to 80 or 90% of okay. your master's in education, which is very cool. A lot of the fellowship programs are in conjunction with major colleges to get, to get that uh, master's. I think it's just, you know, the whole point of education is constant pursuit of knowledge. And mm-hmm. I think I think schools want somebody to always be continuing to pursue knowledge on their own end to make you a better teacher. Yeah. To make you let you become a department head, let you leave and go be a department somewhere else, right? Yeah. Like forever making better and better teachers. As yeah. opposed to you get in the door and figure it out and that's it. Yeah. So Okay. And finally, like kind of as you reflect on your time at college and like your path were there any, like, specific lessons that you've learned or, like, insights that you think are important for people doing a similar thing as you? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been here a while. I've seen my department, my geology department change its name and everything about it. Uh, I, would, I would say to not be worried about things not working out because if you do have a good time at Middlebury and you sort of understand your education at Middlebury, like, you'll figure something out, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, did not, I did not come in with the intention of doing what I'm doing. And it is something that is less done at Middlebury or less than a lot of places. And it's just something where I feel confident in because I've improved as an educator and as a communicator at Middlebury. So, like, you know, even if you've gained a lot of skills passively, you might not notice it. You do have gained skills. You're a completely yeah. different person than you were three, five years ago. But, I mean, like, you know, it's a, it's, it's a completely different experience 
it's a completely worth it experience, in my opinion. Like, I'm glad I got an education where I learned how to think and write and talk and learn as opposed to just, I have to answer, you know, quiz, 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 test, quiz, 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 test. Here's your degree. Like, I I feel better having had a more holistic education about it. Great. Well, thank you so much, Sam, for jumping on to that So Middlebury. I appreciate you spending your Tuesday night with me. Um, And I hope you have a great rest of your day term, and congratulations. You're graduating in about a month, right? Yeah, thank you very much. I think, like, two weeks. Yeah. Oh, two weeks. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, um, thank you so much. Awesome, thank you.